You are now listening to The Sexy Escort Guide, discussing everything fascinating about the world of paid companionship. And now, here is your sexy host, Exotic Vivian. Hey guys, welcome to episode 58 of The Sexy Escort Guide podcast. I am your host, Exotic Vivian. And I am currently looking at a gorgeous water view as I record this. So, so thankful. So today we're going to be talking basic money management and investing. But first, I'm going to read another advantage of hiring companions. This comes from Carla Suarez on Twitter, at Miss Carla Suarez. It's a discreet, safe, no attachments, and judgment-free about kinks. So true. Very true. Um, As far as what's new with me, uh, I'm very excited. I'm actually in talks with someone that's a friend of the show about the marketing position that I had uh, talked about briefly a few episodes ago. So it looks like I might be doing this in-house. But you can still send your resume because, you know, I'll take more marketing people all day, any day. So wish me luck. I hope it goes great. Um, I'm touring. You know, the the rare occurrence of me touring. I'm going to be coming up north next week, uh, New York for one night only, September 16th, and D.C. from September 17th to the 20th. So if you would like to meet, please contact my assistant, Anne-Marie, to schedule your booking, booking at exoticvivian.com. Oh, I almost forgot. I'm throwing a fabulous Halloween party in Miami on October 26th from 7 p.m. till midnight, Gentlemen and ladies are most welcome. It's going to be in a private villa, catered food, bespoke open bar with sexy bar staff, DJ spinning sensual tunes, and basically just debauchery. There's also going to be a Halloween costume contest with a cash prize provided by our diamond sponsor, Companion Tax, and marketing genius, Amberly Rothfield. VIP tickets are sold out, but there's still general admission tickets for only $300. As of today, there are only 17 tickets left, and I'm aiming to be sold out by the end of September, so please don't wait too long to grab yours. I also plan on having a stripper pole there, so guys, make sure you bring your tip money for any of the ladies that decide to get on the pole. There are also going to be two rooms dedicated to playtime for any willing participant, and everyone must be screened for safety and discretion. No exceptions. To RSVP, visit thesexyescortguide.com slash RSVP. I hope to see you at my party next month. So let's move on to the news. Um, I have two news articles today that I wanted to touch on because I thought they were very important. Uh, The first one is from CNN, August 11, 2019. Jeffrey Epstein has died by suicide, sources say. Jailed multimillionaire financer and accused sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein has died by suicide. Two law enforcement sources said Saturday, one day after a court unsealed new details of claims against him. Epstein, who was awaiting trial on federal charges, accusing him of sexually abusing underage girls, was found unresponsive in his cell at New York's Metropolitan Correctional Center around 6.30 a.m. Eastern, the Federal Bureau of Prisons said. Staff at the facility started life-saving measures and Epstein was taken to a hospital where he was pronounced dead. This is a follow-up from last uh, episode's news article. Apparently, Epstein was put on suicide watch in July, but was taken off days later. And then he was fined July 23rd in his Manhattan jail cell with marks on his neck. 
I honestly think this was definitely murder, which I kind of talked about it a little bit on Twitter because apparently he wasn't the only one having sexual relations with minors on his island in the Bahamas, which was uh, rightfully named Pedophile Island. Some people knew that if he had to testify, they would be fucked, so they did the only thing they could, which was to silence him permanently. Hopefully his victims still get their justice and reparations. I would put the article in the show notes. Of course, his attorneys are um, wanting to open up an investigation to see if there was foul play, which there definitely was, but who knows how far this is going to go. The guy that had all the secrets is now dead, and dead men tell no tales. So, yeah. Okay, and then the next article which is also very important. It's from The Statesman, August 29, 2019. And the title is 800 New Laws Take Effect Sunday, September 1st. What you need to know. I only picked out (laughs) the uh, one that I thought was important because it pertains to our industry. And I'm going to quote, efforts to address the growing problem of human trafficking included barring courts from offering probation for aggravated promotion of prostitution and continuous trafficking of persons. First of all, what the fuck is aggravated promotion of prostitution? Like, are they like, if you put a billboard up or something, like what is aggravated? Anyways, other laws created a new felony, online promotion of prostitution and increased penalties for promoting prostitution. So, uh, I was even reading on Twitter, the website Eki or Essie, I don't know how you say it. They completely removed all the companions ads and everything showcasing them and people were been complaining, but apparently they chose to keep the review, which is dumb, uh, the reviews. But yeah, bye-bye. I mean, any website that promotes reviews, I'm not for it. Like there's another one, um, I think it's called Private Delights, which some girls like it, but I'm still a little iffy about the reviews. I feel like that should be something that you should opt in or out of. But apparently if you if you don't want a review, you can get it taken down. But I don't want to go through the hoops of contacting you to take down a review. You should initially ask me from day one, do you want reviews or not? I'm going to say nah, so that way nobody can ever write reviews. I don't want to have to contest a review or have you take a review down. Most ladies don't even want reviews anyway, but Whatever. And then a friend of the show told me that a lady recently got busted in Houston after September 1st when this law passed. And surely she was charged with felony for committing the crime of prostitution. Apparently she used a reference from another lady who was compromised. So ladies, I urge you to start using real world information. Do not trust references from people you don't know. Sad to say, but it's true. I personally only use real-world information, and there are only a handful of ladies I would accept a reference from. Plus, I've heard so many stories of ladies doing some shady things when they're contacted for references anyway. So just save yourself the hassle and use real-world information. You'll be glad you did in the long run. But um, hopefully this lady gets an attorney and fights it. I will put this article in the show notes as well. There are tons of laws that... um, we're on here. I mean, obviously it's titled 800 new laws. So I will put this in the show notes. And if you guys have any news articles you think I should discuss on the show, please send it to me info at tsegp.com. Of course, it must be related to our industry. Don't send me stuff about agriculture and China because that has nothing to do with us. So anyways, on to the show. But first, a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by our diamond sponsor, Companion Tax and Accounting Services. You've heard us interview the owner, Mary Lee, on episodes 7, 36, and 58. 
Companion Tax really knows their stuff and I, Vivian, can personally vouch for them. They are the professionals you need to hire to handle all of your tax accounting and business needs. Companion Tax was created specifically with us companions in mind. It doesn't get any more niche than that. They have been in business since 2011 and have become a leading resource for the community. Although based in South Florida, they are licensed in all states. You can visit them at companiontax.com and fill out the new client information form to get started and take charge of your financial future. I recently posted a poll asking the ladies how much they had in savings, and here are the results. 24% said they had more than $100,000 in savings. 8% said they had less than $100,000. 9% said they had less than $50,000. And 59% said they had less than $25,000. There were 919 people that voted, so you can kind of get an idea. And here are some stats from NBC, which I will also put the links in the show notes. The typical American household has an average of $8,863 in savings. Among those 34 and younger, couples without children have an average of $4,727 in savings. Single people without children in that age range have an average of $2,729 in savings. For those between the ages of 35 and 44, couples with children have an average of $10,399 in savings. And among those aged 45 to 54, couples with children have an average of $15,589 in savings. These numbers are pretty low because God forbid one emergency happens. What is $15,000 going to do? I mean, maybe it can pay rent for a few months, but then you're screwed. And this is people that are 45 to 54 with children. So they have a little bit of an obligation to save for a rainy day because they have other people to be worried about. Single people tend to have less money in savings. And I know it can seem like such a huge feat to save, but that's why I'm bringing back uh, Miss Mary Lee to give us some tips on getting our financial houses in order. Miss Mary Lee Miller of Companion Tax was a previous guest on episodes 7 and 36. She is the owner and founder of Companion Tax and Accounting Services, which has been in business since 2011. Companion Tax is a full-service, licensed, professional accounting and tax firm that specializes in the unique financial and tax needs of companions. Welcome back, Mary Lee. Hi, Vivian. It's nice to be back. Yes, yes. I mean, people have been asking us about um, investing ideas and management um, of their money, so I'm glad we're doing this show. But before we get into the questions, please tell our listeners that have been under a rock because they didn't listen to the first two episodes a little bit about you and why you should be trusted with giving advice on the topic of money management and investing. Okay, I'll be happy to do that. Just a little bit of background on Companion Tax. Uh, We started the business in 2012. Uh, I have some friends that are in the business and I hear a lot of complaints about not being able to get professional accounting services for companions in a ju- non-judgmental venue. So, sad but true. Sad but true. Um, and so as part of the services that we provide to our clients, in addition to traditional accounting services, business entity selection, payroll, bookkeeping, all of that, we also get a We've been getting questions since day one about how do I invest my money? How do I manage my money? So we're not, none of us is a certified financial planner and we don't put ourselves out as that. However, from my own personal experience, you know, I do know a little bit about investing 
and I'm able to bring to the table for our clients a knowledge, a basic knowledge of the stock market and options for clients. Very uh, nice. and, yeah, and, and we keep it simple. Uh, people that uh, want a financial planner, that's really outside of the typical client profile that we have. And I'm going to go them, ahead and on the record say that financial planners usually don't have your best interest at heart. They push their stocks, their company stocks that they're supposed to push so they can get those commissions. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to do your own research and go to them with your stuff, which is what we're going to get into a little bit today. Well, that's true. And the other thing, there are financial planners out there that are fee only, which they do not tie their fee to the sale of, of an annuity or stock to you. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the issue is finding a, fi- a financial advisor that you can be comfortable with and mm-hmm. be transparent. Yep. So for basic financial planning or for basic investments, so uh, things like stocks, bonds, mutual funds, we'll get into more of that, you know, as we get into the uh, podcast. Okay, great. So I guess I'll jump into the first question. Or did you oh, have any more stuff to say? <laughs> well, yeah, what, what I thought that I might do is just do a quick rundown of uh, just what I consider to be the major components of basic money management. Okay. And then, um, then I'll go into uh, just a, the same type of thing for basic investing, just the, uh, and then we'll go into the questions and that'll get us into more perfect, detail. Perfect. Okay, go ahead. All right. So basic money management, this actually really applies to any person that's self-employed for there there's major components of basic money management and of course the fact that all of my clients deal mostly in cash it does add a little bit of complexity the most important thing that um, you have to do is to separate your business and personal finances yep um this is um this is something that people don't understand uh when they start this business they just start running everything through their personal checking account or personal and what ends up happening is it's um it makes it extraordinarily difficult to to get the information necessary to file financial statements yeah Uh, so that's number one you get uh the way you do that is most everybody i've ever talked to has a banking relationship uh in order to open a business bank account and that's really all that's the lowest level that you need to do open a separate business bank account at your bank you can get a federal id number for your business from the irs uh, which is basically like a social security number for your business correct correct and you can get that it's an ss-4 and uh, as the basic business sole proprietor get a federal id number get the letter go to the bank open up a business bank account and just start running all of your business income and expenses through that bank account. And when you need personal funds, just transfer it over from the business to the personal. It's so much easier. Uh, to it keep really track is. Of everything. It and really also, is. IRS really frowns upon commingling business and mm-hmm. personal. And there have been instances where they've disallowed all business expenses because they couldn't tell what was business and what was, was uh, personal and the taxpayer wasn't able to prove it. Yep. So the next thing uh, is set up some sort of a bookkeeping system for your business. This can be formal through a bookkeeping service, which we provide to uh, quite a few clients. Or if you're comfortable with it, you can do it yourself. With uh, There's several free programs out there. One is called Mint. Yep, I uh, use Mint. Yeah, Mint's really good. You hook up your bank accounts and, and it, it categorizes everything for you. Uh, there's also a phone app that's really simple. It's called Spending App. It's a, When you look at it, the application is just a little wallet and you just enter your uh, expenses. 
And uh, there's also, if, if any of your listeners use SafeOffice, mm-hmm. uh, they have a really good uh, basic accounting program right on that's included as part of the monthly fee. Oh, nice. And, uh, and then you need to keep track of all your receipts. Uh, the IRS requires a backup for all of your business expenses. And you can either do that the old-fashioned way, stuff everything in an envelope, and once a month sit down and sort out personal and business and then categorize the business into the types of expenses such as travel meals or taxis. And the, uh, there is another program out there called Shoeboxed. Yes, uh, you mentioned really that good. on previous episodes. Uh, right, yeah. it's really good. Uh, so save your receipts. And then <laughs> really important, get control of your discretionary spending. Uh, and by the way, you have a great, um, your chapter seven in your book, uh, How to Get Started as an Escort, mm-hmm. is excellent, excellent um, ideas on how to get control of your spending. You heard, you heard it, goals. folks, from, yeah, it's from, from an accountant. She said that uh, <laughs> we all... did a good job. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you did a really good job. Everybody should be buying this book and reading it. It's really good. Thank you. Um, Thanks for the plug. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. But anyway, discretionary spending, I've, so many clients have absolutely no idea how much they spend every month on things because of the cash. Cash is like sand through your fingers. Yep. You know, it, it's not sexy and it's not fun, but you need to sit down and with pen and pencil say, how much is my rent? How much is my auto? How much budget. is my budget? How much, what, what do I need every month to cover my basic living expenses. And this is not including business expenses. Remember, mm-hmm. we've already put that in a separate bucket. Yep. And I've had instances where clients say, well, I make, I pay $10,000 a month. And we go through all of their expenses and their monthly expenses are 5,000. I said, so that leaves 5,000. Where do you have it in savings? And it's just silence. I don't, and they say, I don't know where it went. They blow it all on stuff. Blow it on stuff. You just don't think about things. If you go to Starbucks every day and get a, a mocha yeah. chico latte, it's five bucks, and <laughs> that's one hundred and fifty dollars a month. <laughs> wow, that is one hundred and fifty bucks a month on coffee. Mm. Well, I'm just thinking if, if you go buy a Starbucks every day and it's no, I'm five, saying I'm, it adds think up. Think about it. It adds up. So wouldn't it make more sense to put that one hundred and fifty, you know, into a savings account? Next thing is, and this is in your book too, and it, it's, it, everybody needs to set, set aside 20% for taxes. Yeah. Because being self-employed, you need to set aside 20%. Now, in my episode number seven, I went into great detail about, you know, how you can save taxes by setting up a certain type of legal entity. And I, I really don't want to address that here. Since yeah, already so go back, and, go back and listen to episode yeah, seven. Yeah, really people. should listen. Episode seven is really good. It's chock full of good information. Um, just a couple little notes on cash. Get, if you're going to keep cash at your house, get a fireproof safe or get a safe deposit box um, and deposit often when you're on tour. Don't carry around a lot of cash for a number do of Do not. Do not. It just doesn't I make can't sense tell you how many stories I've heard from oh, ladies that, you know, lost it somehow, got robbed, uh, something. Right. It's crazy. Something. Oh, or worse, you, oh, you start the week. I went out a great weekend. I got $3,000 cash in my wallet. At the end of the week, you get 500 Where to go? It's just too on easy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's, that's just a basic uh, on, on uh, money management. And let yeah. me just run down some things about about investing because okay. I had so many questions about this. Before anybody invests $1, in anything, pay off your high interest credit card debt. It doesn't make sense to invest in something. For instance, let me use the stock market as an example. Over time, the stock market has returned 10%. If okay. you've got a credit card, you're probably paying 
interest on it. They get you on those. Okay. So where, what are you gaining here? You have to pay off your credit card debt. The second thing is, if you've got any IRS debt that has to be paid, oh, that's got to. That's number one. Well, that's your right <laughs> They will break your kneecaps if you yeah, don't. No, they don't, <laughs> no, they don't mean, want to do that. That's too much work. They just, <laughs> they just want to get your case oh, off their desk. Geez. So, um, get right with the IRS. File your back taxes for so many reasons. Again, we've talked about that in episode seven. Yes, and pay the taxes owed, or at least. If you if you're squeeze a little bit, set up a payment plan. At yes, least you're that's in compliance. What I was going to mention that you can set up a payment plan with the IRS. I've done it before in the past. I mean, yes. they do charge you crazy ass interest. So uh... it's not too bad. Because... <laughs> to me, <laughs> any the... interest is bad. <laughs> I know. It's like throwing your money away. Oh, but um, the uh, the thing is, is that where you really get slammed with the penalties with the IRS is if you don't file your tax return on time or you forget or you don't file an extension. That's when they charge you 5% per month of the outstanding balance. So file your tax returns even if you don't have the money and then set up a payment plan. Okay, number three, and you have this in your book as well, set up an emergency fund. You have to have an emergency fund. You um, really do. uh, In four to six months. And that's money you're going to put in a passbook savings account. You're just going to let it sit. You don't want to put it in the stock market. You're not going to invest in anything because it needs to be liquid. You need to get your hands on it in a hurry. Passbook savings account. What's the difference between that and a regular savings account? Nothing. That's kind of antiquated, actually. Ah, (laughs) In the old days, you used to go in the bank with an actual little book and the teller would actually write in the book, okay, you put in a deposit of $100 in the date and stamp it. They call it a passbook savings account. Got it, account. got it, okay. But it's just a regular savings account. All right, now for investments, let me run through a couple of quick things on this and then we'll get into the questions. Okay. Everybody that's interested in investing in anything and doesn't have any experience, well, for, not, for one thing, people are going to give you advice. Ignore it. You're going to get advice about this is a hot tip, this is a hot yeah. stock. No one get can on. time the market. That's right. You need to you need to educate yourself on investment options. And there's a lot of places that you can go online to do that. My favorite website for the that is called fool dot com f-o-o-l dot com it used to be called F- motley fool oh F- yeah I, I know motley motleyfool.com they've been around forever they started out as a company to help everyday people who wanted to invest but didn't want to get ripped off by brokers and you're not and getting any kind of commission for plugging them are you no no okay. no, no okay. i don't get any if i if i did i would say so but <laughs> okay. no it's they've got all kinds of educational that they talk about mm-hmm. investing in the stock market in mutual funds all aspects of investing get on an investor and and educate yourself uh before you start investing i had a client the other day who told me that she opened up a brokerage account and she invested in some sort of pharmaceutical which i'd never heard of and she said it was a client tip um so anyway did it work out i mean (laughs) i she said it's so new she was such a new thing and i said how did you pick it she said, well, I had a client. I said, okay. <laughs> oh, Lord. Hopefully it so, works out. Now, the other thing that Fool, Motley Fool has on there for people that want some hand-holding and investing, say you want to invest in dividend-paying stocks, which I, I think is the best thing to invest in is dividend-paying oh, yeah. stocks. It's, it's basically um, another form of passive income because they're paying you periodically. Yes? That's correct. And yes, what happens okay. is you're buying, a little, it's, you're buying a little piece of a company and they're rewarding you with paying you dividends quarterly now, which I can, is what you want, yes. which is what you want. And do you want to reinvest those dividends and buy 
uh, more stock. And mm-hmm. so they also have these what they call premium services, <clears throat> where if you're interested in dividend stocks, they've got a service that actually buys dividend stocks and does analysis of them, says why they think it's a good buy. And so that that's a great place to go to start. Yes, now. and this is this is the fool.com. Right. This is on the and there's also okay. another one that uh, is more like a Wikipedia for investing. It's called Investopedia. Inve- I've heard of that before. That's yes. another, Investopedia.com. But again, educate yourself. There's so much stuff available on the web. And there's also, but they've got a, the Stock Market for Dummies, uh, which is a great book that just t- t- gives you all the basics about stock market, how it works. So, you know, once, once you have an idea of what your risk tolerance level is, are you going to be an aggressive investor? Are you going to be a conservative investor? Is it for retirement? Is it for just to have wealth, accumulate wealth? Let's say you decide that you're ready to invest. You've paid all of your credit card debt. So there's some choices. And the number one, the most conservative and the most easiest thing is a CD uh, yes. or a money market. Now, CDs used to pay a lot of money when the interest rates were up, but I now the current interest rate are back. They just dropped it again. Yeah, yeah, just another <laughs> twenty-five basis points. So we're talking. I think it's two point five. I think they're 2. saying 0. is it's yeah two point oh, and it's what it used to be when they first dropped it in two thousand eight or two thousand nine. That's right. It's, so it's, yeah, wiped out all interest rate. Time to buy. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's good for people. We'll talk about the real estate in a little bit, but um, it's because of that you're not going to get. Uh, you could, you're not you're going to get pitiful interest. There is one company where I think they're paying about two to two and a half percent interest, and it's the savings bank arm of Goldman Sachs. And I cannot remember off the top of my head what it is, but uh, I'll look mm-hmm. it up and send you an email, and we can post okay. it. Mutual funds is the next thing. This is my choice for beginning investors because there's so little risk involved, and what you mm-hmm. can do with a with a, a mutual fund is, for instance, Vanguard, Schwab. TD Ameritrade, Fidelity, all of them have their own mutual funds. And the idea is that you've got professional fund managers who are putting together these mutual funds. Uh, Say you want to to invest in, this is a new one, SIN stocks. There's mutual Mm -hmm. funds that invest in casinos, liquor, cigarettes. If you want to invest in that. So say you want to invest in consumer staples. Uh, Consumer staples would be things like, um, it's a basket of stocks. Um, that's put together by a company like Vanguard, managed yeah, by professionals. You mentioned Vanguard and everybody. Uh-huh. Vanguard uh-huh. is actually uh, my favorite in the bunch. Yes, Vanguard is is the best. They've been around forever. They're, they have a lot of low-cost funds. You can go into a fund that invests in a specific sector, such as energy, or you can choose an index fund, which basically just follows the S&P 500 index or the Dow Industrial those are the mm-hmm. most conservative. And again, for beginning investors, I would recommend. And you mentioned something about SINs? Oh, the SIN stocks. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. it's just kind of fun. If you're interested in um, investing in stocks, uh, tobacco, liquor, casinos. Oh, that's why it's SIN? That's why they call it SIN. <laughs> yeah, it's SIN stocks. That's <clears> funny. <throat> so uh, it's. Um, you sinners. <laughs> I'm sure marijuana will be on that one, too. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm sure it funny. already is in the funds. Yeah, yeah. You know, they've got. So once you get a little bit more sophisticated and comfortable with your investing, that's when you might want to start purchasing individual stocks. And that's when you have to do a little bit more research. Yeah. Um, Now, before you get into that, I just wanted to kind of ask, what would be the minimum amount you would advise a beginner 
investor to invest in these stocks, whatever they choose, whatever fund. Um, to mutual funds? Yeah. Any yeah, of that's the, a really good funds. question. Like, what yeah. would be a good minimum to start with? Well, the, for Vanguard, most of their funds, uh, non-retirement funds, require a $3,000 minimum. Okay, so let, you, let's say between three and five grand then. Right, three to five grand. Uh, right. And what you want to do is bad. you want to put it, uh, what I would do if you had 3000 I might, I don't know if it's 3000 per fund or 3000 for all of Vanguard, but pick a diversified fund, um, one that, you know, maybe a, is an index fund. Mm-hmm. If it's a retirement, if you decide you want to put uh, your retirement funds into a Vanguard, I think the, the minimum is 1000 so it's considerably yeah. less. And, you and then set- you... Um- you mentioned that they have different sectors that they have funds for. So ladies, maybe if you're confused or you don't know what to pick, you can just pick funds that deal with stuff that you're familiar with, you know, stuff that you deal with every day. Well, that's exactly right. Yeah. Buy, buy what you know. But the other thing is if you buy an index fund, it, it spreads the risk out over a yeah. very large period of all sectors and it's nicely diversified. I mean, that's where you can start. I think especially for retirement funds uh, that you ought to be conservative and you don't want to be in and out of the stocks or, or the mutual yeah. funds. But mutual funds is, is a way to go if you're just starting out. And then, yeah. and then reinvest your dividends and reinvest yeah. the capital gains to get the benefit of the compounding. Yeah. And I know I always say ladies, but that's because that's our niche listeners. <laughs> I mean, guys listen to this podcast too, and so do non-binary and other, you know, people mm-hmm. that identify as different things. This is for everyone. I only say ladies because, you know, <laughs> that's my core group. So I don't want anybody sure. feeling like they're left out or something because, you know. Yeah. <laughs> now if you decide you want to like i said branch out of mutual funds and get into uh individual stocks that's when you're gonna you're going to want to open a brokerage account with a fidelity schwab td ameritrade where you can uh buy and sell stocks and all of these brokerage account um websites are not i, I not, and i don't get compensated for this um <laughs> is they all have uh, research services that are available to the account holders. For yes. instance, in Schwab, uh, I have a Schwab account. So if I'm interested in a particular stock, I can go to their research section and they'll have a, a two or three page detailed research about the stock. And it mm-hmm. helps me make a decision on whether or not I want to purchase the stock or not. Uh, so me, I have a question. Did you uh-huh. buy Google when, when the no. buying? Did you buy Apple? <laughs> I did. I bought Apple. Oh, look at you. So that means you're rich. <laughs> All right, I'm moving in. Well, good, good. <laughs> um, my rule, and this is my personal rule, it's not for everybody, but for me investing, everything, um, I have only buy stocks that pay dividends. Yes, um, because like, what's the point? Like, I want to enjoy my money while I'm alive. Not Well, <laughs> that's right. But the other thing too is for... <laughs> The majority of the listeners are, are younger, are younger. <laughs> I, I wanted to say ladies, yeah. but you have a longer time horizon. So you can buy a stock that is growing plus pays a dividend. Mm-hmm. And that would be yes. like an apple. But see an apple. But you, I mean, you definitely, I'm not saying you should go spending your money as soon as you get it. You need to give it time to get seasoned. And then when it reaches a certain point, then you can can start withdrawing from it, which you have to pay taxes on it. Well, that's right. But, and, and, and but again, yeah. you go back to the basic. What is your goal? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, you really you really can almost have three or four investing buckets. Like exactly. this investment bucket is for my retirement. Mm-hmm. I put it in on a regular basis and don't touch it. This investment bucket is for the a house I want to buy. And I'm going to, although I, I would caution anybody about putting money in the stock market for a down payment on a house yeah, because don't the do stock it. market goes <laughs> up and down. Uh, yeah. And this is for my emergency fund or whatever. But, but the safest <laughs> you're going to do is with the dividend paying stocks. Yes. Well, well yes, there, there's a group And I'm of using stocks. quotation marks here because I don't know that the <laughs> stock market is 100% safe, but you know what I mean. No, well, over time, the stock market has returned about 9 to 10%. Since mm-hmm. they started tracking it, which I think was in the 1930s, mm-hmm. if you if you invest, and here's a, a good example that shows how the compounding works. If you invest $1,250 a month, and I don't think there's anybody that's listening that couldn't find $1,250 a month for 10 years, assuming an 8% return, in 10 years you will have accumulated $235,000. Okay. That's to me, that's uh, pretty substantial. So when you get to the point where you want to withdraw it, I mean, you have had the benefit of probably several stock market expansions, which pushes up the price of everything, which is to your advantage. And then you get those gains. Mm -hmm. But for just a note on dividend stocks, there is a group of stocks that pay dividends called dividend aristocrats. And these are companies that have paid dividends and increased dividends consistently over 20 some years. And in that particular group, you're going to find people like Johnson and Johnson. Yeah. The ones that are there forever that people continue to use. Yeah. Okay. So in a diversified portfolio, you're going to have some of that. You might have some growth stocks. Uh, You might have some bonds, uh, bond funds, which are basically fixed income. You buy a bond for $10,000 and it pays 4% interest and then it matures in 10 years and they give you money back. Mm-hmm. But that's way beyond, you know, the, the scope of this discussion because I just want everybody to get a general idea of, of what's out there for investing. And, and, and like I said, if you want to take a position in individual stocks, start with taking a small position and maybe four or five stocks. You can diversify within that four or five. You can say buy Verizon, which pays yeah. around 6% dividend now. Coca-Cola, which would be consumer staples, and then maybe Disney, which is a great company, and then maybe a utility, like an electric company. But initially start with mutual funds. I would say for a beginning uh, investor, I would definitely start with mutual funds, and I would go straight to Vanguard and, and do your research there. Yeah. Um, so, so ladies, listeners, (laughs) (laughs) um, don't get overwhelmed with all the stuff she's saying about individual stocks, like start somewhere first, pay off your credit cards. How about that? Right. Yeah. Start with that. Save up for your uh, emergency fund and save up six months. You said, and then after that, four to six months. And then after that, save three grand so you can start investing in mutual funds. And don't forget to pay your taxes. Oh, yeah. That's obviously. in there, too. <laughs> obviously, we're, we're listening <laughs> to this episode. I feel like if you listen to the two episodes so far, six, uh, 7 and 36, <laughs> you, you should know at this point that you need to pay your taxes or the yeah. IRS will break your kneecaps. <laughs> that's what, that's what you're going to say. That's a little harsh, Vivian. <laughs> yes, they need it harsh. So they'll do oh, it my like gosh. <laughs> oh, so um, was that was that it on the stock investing? That's a stock, yeah. And I wanted to just touch on real estate just briefly, and then we'll go into okay. questions. 
I think that, I mean, I'm hearing a lot of people talk about, you know, passive income, getting some property, getting mm-hmm. a tenant and all that. I think a lot of this has been glamorized by these house flipping shows on trust uh, me. HGTV. You um, will want to quit when you have to evict a tenant. Trust me. <laughs> I know. Okay. So you've been there, done that. Yeah, I've well, been there, before... done that. I still have my properties though, but I've been there, done that. <laughs> The first, any kind of real estate investment should start with purchasing your own home. Uh, That's where it should start. It doesn't make sense for you to be living in a rental property and then buying an investment property, renting it out. I kind of don't understand that logic. With your personal residence, you can build equity in that residence. It depends on where you live. Mm -hmm. The real estate markets are funky some places. Mm -hmm. I mean, in South Florida, it's pretty hot right now. Yeah, it is. Um, Buy your own property. You build some equity in it, then you use that equity to leverage that equity into a home equity line of credit, and then look at buying some yeah. real estate. I mean, and that. then it doesn't have to be a single family home either. You can buy, exactly. you can buy a duplex, triplex, fourplex, live in one, yes. out the other, and those are still considered single family, up to four units, and then after that, it's commercial. But you can do that. It doesn't have to be that. And if you're gonna get a condo or a single family home. You should still be buying that property like you're going to rent it out in the future if you decide to move on because you don't want to buy it and then be stuck with it when you're trying to when you're trying to sell but we'll we'll get into that later. But yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's um I mean it's, the idea is that this this is your home, you're mm-hmm. going to build equity. It's going to well, we don't I'm not going to talk about tax write-offs cuz that's all changed. But yeah, it's in and, and if it turns out that it's you 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 need to leave the property, if you cannot sell it, then you ought to be able to rent it. Yeah. And it does and I also tell my clients that come to me, I said they found this five-bedroom house. I said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, start modestly get a one bedroom condo something you can afford let's start there and then we'll build up yeah. from there because there's so many so many components of even getting qualified yeah. to purchase a mortgage that you have to go into so so real estate my first thing is buy your own residence and also i don't know if i haven't heard anybody talk about fha loans fha um, loans well maybe i should get like a loan person to come on the show but the three i think that would be a good down. idea yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I, I need to find somebody that doesn't hate on escorts. <laughs> I need an open-minded yeah, well, loan person. <laughs> well, let, let's you and I put our heads together another yeah. time. We'll see if we can find somebody. Let's I, do I it. have a feeling with somebody that, that is a mortgage broker that can yeah. come on and talk about FHA. But so there's other ways to invest in real estate. Let's set the whole residence aside. Let's say you're ready to buy investing investment property in real estate. There's mm-hmm. more than just physical property. There are there are investments called REITs. It's REIT, which stands real estate. Yes. Pays good. They have to pay 90% of their profits. Real estate investment trust is a company that you invest in that buys properties. Yeah. So for instance, there's, um, there's one REIT, Chesapeake lodging is the one that comes to mind. They invest. Yeah. They invest in high end luxury hotel properties. Mm. And so that's a like a segment of the REITs. There's another REIT that I'm aware of that invests in uh, nursing homes. 
which is okay. going to be more and more prevalent in the future when as the baby boomers get old. Or I mean, but they're <laughs> so. always they're gonna always gonna be old people anyway. So right. <laughs> okay, so that's one option for investing. And then again, remember when you're investing in physical property, if you buy a rental property, you've got to come up with a, at least twenty percent down payment. You've got to have rock solid credit. There's going to be a, a debt a debt to ratio. Um, I'm not sure what it is, but I'm guessing it's going to be it's like 40 to 50 percent and then then you've got to have money for closing and then Mm -hmm. you've got to have money to upkeep what if you have to replace the roof exactly what about insurance and then never mind that you're going to have to deal with potentially troublesome tenants which is why you gotta you gotta do a lot of stuff on the front end as far as doing your research and numbers yeah i know because i i have to learn the hard way because i didn't know what the hell i was doing (laughs) i just bought stuff and i had someone put tenants in my place for me that he supposedly vetted and everything turns out they weren't it <laughs> so I had, oh. to, I had to evict them but then from then on I learned to screen my tenants better yeah but yeah and but if you if you if you're in it and you're so overwhelmed it can make you because I almost was like fuck this I'm done with real estate but you know <laughs> I, had to, I had to simmer down <laughs> and gather yeah, myself it's, but yeah it, it, it's trying like it's good when it's good but right. things could break down your, you know, your tenants could be just bad people if you didn't do a good job screening them. And that's actually the worst part, like having to evict people. That's going to eat forever. up most. Of, yeah, it's going to eat up most of your budget because, you know, you mm-hmm. can repair stuff here and there. You can repair a roof. That's fine. But when you have troublesome tenants, the worst. The yeah, worst. It is. <laughs> and the other thing, too, is you've got to um, your cat, your cash flow, unless you put a big down, for one thing, you've tied up all that money in a down payment. Mm-hmm. Now, hopefully your rent is going to at least cover your mortgage payment, but sometimes it doesn't. And then, like you said, if you have these major expenses, like, I mean, you live in South Florida, we all worry about our roofs and terrible mm-hmm. expensive. You know, I have had clients before with 10, 15 rental properties. When you get to be up in that level, it's another whole ball game. Um, yeah. But just really for is. beginning, I look at REITs and there's another, there's another investment uh, option that I really like. And I'm actually going to look at this myself. It's called crowdfunding for real estate. Oh, there's, yeah. I bet there's several companies. Have you heard of it? Yep. There's yep. two. There's two that, um, I, that I have found that seem to be, they've been around a long time. And they've got really good reputation. One of them is called fundrise.com. F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E.com. And the other one is called crowdstreet.com. So for about the same amount of money that you would spend on, say, a down payment on a $100,000 condo, you have to pay a down payment of, say, $25,000 maybe. Mm -hmm. You can invest with Fundrise and then you actually invest in the properties you own yeah. part of the property and so you're like getting that. paid so for, um, interest kind of like dividends and you're getting the you're getting the investment is increasing in value mm-hmm. so i looked at some of the of the property and the projects that they're doing they they do things like well the the buildings for walgreens mm-hmm. and cvs they also have luxury apartment complexes mm-hmm. all over the country medical properties they do all the risk they do all the vetting they do all the buying and you just get a piece of that and then it comes back to you in the form of dividends capital gains and then when if if and when they sell the property 
which hopefully would be at a profit, you'll get a piece of that too. I mean, I will again, say, I will caution ladies though, um, you should still be, be mindful of what you're investing in. Like, don't just go invest yes. in whatever, because these are bills that you're investing in and you need to read all the information they have on, um, Absolutely. on whoever the developer is, because I know someone, I mean, it was only 10 grand, but it's still 10 grand that invested in this, uh, project i think it was like four or five units in california and the guy ended up defaulting and it was a whole thing they had to take him to foreclosure court he tried to do a um uh what's the thing where you lose all your money and then you have to a bankruptcy (laughs) oh bankruptcy i I couldn't say it right i know he had to like he filed bankruptcy so that tied up a lot of stuff in the court it was like a, a, a mess she eventually did get her money back but she didn't even get much of an interest to have gone through all that and they had her money for two years i think Oh my so, goodness. Yeah. No, it goes without saying, you know, that I'm, I'm not giving, I mean, this, everybody has to do their own yes, due diligence and their, their own, own research. research. But these are some ideas for further exploration. Mm-hmm. So um, that, do you have anything else that you think uh, that we need to talk about real estate? Or I was going to go right into the questions. Nope, I think that's it. But I will say um, one thing, ladies, about the, the savings. It really is a good idea. I mean, I know it sounds like I keep saying save, save, save. But trust me, when I actually was mindful about saving a certain amount of every money I got in, you'll be surprised how fast your money grows when you're actually consistent with it. And I was like, oh, this saving thing is actually cool. Because I used to think that I was so great with money. You know, I wasn't buying bags or anything like like a lot of people do. I let I let guys do that for me. But I thought I was a good saver. I know. I thought I was a good That's saver. Cool. Uh, that's called That's what? another form of leveraging. Right? <laughs> Leverage other people. No. I thought I was a good saver until I actually was mindful of putting away. I started with 10% and then now it's gone up since then. But I started with just 10%, putting away 10%. And I was shocked as to how much my money grew in my savings. And I was like, okay, I'm sticking with this strategy. So ladies or listeners, even if you're not making that much income, start somewhere. Like, I don't want you to feel overwhelmed with all the stuff we're talking about. Like, we're telling you how to start from scratch. Start somewhere and then you can slowly, you know, get better with time because that's what life is all about. But anyways, let's, let's that, get into the questions. That is actually one of the, the questions that you actually have. I'm going to jump right to it because we were talking about it. Which, which um, question is this? One of the questions, they said, oh, here we go. Saving. There was, somebody was talking about how hard it is. You know what? Let me just go through the. <laughs> okay. So the first question is, how can I save money on my taxes? I maximize my deductions every year, but I still feel like I pay too much. Are there any investments that are tax deductible other than an IRA? Yes. You feel like you pay ta- too much in taxes. Um, I won't address that simply because I don't know her situation. Mm-hmm. But in addition to an IRA, and for 2019, for someone under the age of 50, the limit is $6,000 per year or your earned income, whichever is more or less. So if you only earned $4,000, you can only make an IRA deduction of $4,000. But let's assume that everybody's over that limit. Mm-hmm. So the IRA is 6,000. Yes. (laughs) The easiest retirement to set up that's totally uh, tax deductible is a SEP IRA and that's SEP. And basically that is a tax deductible contribution made by your company to an investment account on your behalf. That's totally tax deductible. Uh, The limit, it's up to $56,000. And the way you calculate your maximum contribution 
is it's 25% of your earned income. And that, so if after, if your taxable earned income is $100,000, then you get to contribute to a SEP plan, $25,000. Ah, okay. Okay. So that's how, that's basically how it works. It's real easy to set up. You don't have to do anything with the IRS. There's no IRS tax returns required. You can open it up with a brokerage account, your bank, anybody that you bank with will, can set up a SEP. Again, I I would recommend Vanguard. A year is something like most of our listeners can definitely um, do. I'm not sure that anyone is wanting to, you know, invest more than that based on the questions that we got, it seems like everybody's kind of mm-hmm. like in the beginning stage, mm-hmm. but are there any, like right. what about a 401k or whatever, whatever, are there any other things that are Yeah, well, with a four, there's 401ks. I only have had a couple of clients that have elected a 401k. It's a lot more complicated. It's more expensive to set up. Tax returns have to be filed with the IRS. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does give you more deduct. There is a, uh, an employee and employer component of a 401k. So mm-hmm. you can, you can contribute more. Mm-hmm. And I really do kind of reserve that one for really high earners. Yeah. Because if you max out a SEP, that means you're making $225,000 a year. Yeah. I don't have any, uh, you know, that's a lot of money. Yeah. So, I think most of the option. girls are in the beginner state. So we're going to leave it at the SEP IRA. Yeah. But just know that if you have more questions and you're making all this money, first of all, you need to donate to the show. Second of all, call Mary Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Call, call Mary Lee so she can walk you through other more sophisticated um, <laughs> plans. Okay, so the next question. I was told I could deposit up to $10,000 cash a day in my bank account, but I received a notice they're closing the account and won't tell me why. Do you have any advice on banks that are <laughs> companion friendly? First of all. <laughs> yeah, first of why all. Why would you be depositing ten grand a day? Like, like I mean. <laughs> I kind of try to look behind this question to see what they really meant. And I think what it is, is somebody has gotten some, gotten the $10,000 cash deposit or withdrawal limit before you have to to report it to the IRS mixed up with how much you can deposit a day, which I know that some clients have gone to banks and said, well, you can deposit up to $15,000 a month, Mm -hmm. but no more than this in a week. Uh, It just looks suspect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the ten thousand—that's just that. What's really being the, the issue with the bank? The bank. We I addressed the whole issue of banks and issues with banks uh, in episode seven. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into too much detail about that. But to answer the question, the most friendly, companion-friendly bank that I've run across so far is TD Bank. TD. Okay, good to know. TD Bank. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the other thing too, and I'll just briefly touch on this with banks, is it's on everybody's mind is that whether a bank pays attention to your deposit history or your deposit patterns is really on a bank by bank, manager by manager, Mm -hmm. region by region. Because I have a client in New York that has uh, an agency Mm -hmm. and they're making multiple deposits daily into a Wells Fargo account and nobody said it. Yeah, but that's probably because they're making smaller smaller amounts it's not like know, it's, doing... it's, uh, yeah. yeah you're the banks so anyways yeah. it, to, that's all i can say is td bank you know the other thing i would look at community banks smaller community banks and credit unions don't seem to be quite as stringent about the tax issue as the larger retail yeah. banks and you know um, what now that you mention it i bet you your clients that have uh, agencies have a business account which makes more sense yes. That yes, people will be depositing all these random funds in it because it's a business. So that's all right. The yeah. more well, reason. you know, 
All the more reason. And that's a, that's a really good point, Vivian, because in, in so many instances, when people are commingling their business and their personal and start throwing all these cash deposits into their personal accounts, that's, that's going to kick flag. that account right out on their computer system. And a manager is going to look at the history yep. and they're going to go into your history and they're going to say, well, let's verify him. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's MPF? Uh, and, and then it goes into another whole yeah. you know, area. But no, I agree. You um, setting up a separate business account. I mean, you know, there's this is not the only business that runs on cash. Yeah. There's like three restaurants, musical parks, literally restaurants. restaurants. They the go I see them because the I stand in the same line as them. And they have the big um, zipper pouch thing with all the yes, cash money the that, lock they're, on it. that they're depositing that day. So it's not just us, folks. It's just you look more sus mm-hmm. when it's your personal account and you're depositing all these random cash amounts, you know, religiously, regularly. So yeah. just, be, just be systematic and mindful about how you do things in general anyway. But also That's open correct. up a business account. <laughs> Yeah, it costs you nothing. Yep. Most banks wouldn't even charge you a fee because you already have accounts with them. No, they want your business. Mm-hmm. That's how they make mm-hmm. money. Okay, next question: How can I use my business to legitimize my income? Uh-huh. <laughs> what, what can I write up as an expense, and how do I pay myself? First of all, <laughs> you are legit. But anyways, let me let Mary answer this. <laughs> you know, I, I, I kind of, I kind of did. I don't know. I, 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 I just thought, think of your business as any other business. I mean, it's exactly. It's not like, what, it's not it's like you're just, a drug dealer. And <laughs> how can I use really? So, um, right. We're, we're selling time and companionship. So think of your business as any other business, develop best business practices, such as separating your business and your personal financing, setting up a proper set of books and get, and get a private mailbox for your business. Mm-hmm. That's what I would suggest. You don't want any business uh, bank statements or anything else coming to your home address. Nope. You just want to, that's another. Keep that, get a private, not a P.O. box. The, the post office now has a regular address. Like, you know how UPS, oh. yeah, you know how UPS yes. store gives you a real address? I guess they're trying to compete now. The post office oh, now, yeah. that's a good piece of the information. The post office now lets you use a regular address so that way you can receive other mail because it was it was issues with FedEx, I think, delivering to P.O. boxes for some reason. I don't know why. Oh, But yeah, okay. and they're trying to compete with UPS bo- uh, store. That's and, a really yeah. good tip. And the, the post really office is a lot cheaper. Sometimes it's like 40 to 60 bucks a year. And they give you a real address now, so. Good. That's good. That's really Do good it. to know. <laughs> Okay. Now, the other part of that question was, what can I write off as an expense and how do I pay myself? There's a whole lot in episode seven on what can be written off as expense. But the general rule is if it's an ordinary and necessary business expense, then it's deductible. So the usual airfare, hotels, auto expenses. Mm -hmm. But go to episode seven. As far as how do you pay yourself, if you've got, and you should by this time have a separate business account, a separate personal account, when you want to pay yourself, Write yourself a check out of the business account or transfer whatever you yep. need from the business account to your personal yeah, just account. Just transfer and it. Pay your per- yeah, just transfer it. <laughs> Don't, oh no. What I, I, well, that's not true. I do have a few. <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying to tell them, don't do that because now I've got to track down the check. And yeah. Look at it Everything and, is wired. Yeah, just do the transfer. Yeah. <laughs> Paperless. So I yesterday. Say, I know. And what was I going to say? Oh, and you know, if you still have questions, call Mary Lee. <laughs> uh, and you know get a consultation with her okay 
Next question. I make good money, mostly all in cash. Oh, really? We have no idea. Anyways, let me stop. Um, I make good money, mostly all in cash, but I'm having a hard time controlling my spending. And by the end of the month, I barely have enough to pay my rent. What advice do you have? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, my first thing is, again, we talked about this early. Managing cash is hard and it does take discipline. The rush of immediate gratification is yours with a wallet full of $100 bills. So this is an example that... Can you save $10 a day? I you cannot save $10 a day. Managing cash is hard. Don't set unrealistic goals. Start small. If you can save $10 a day it, in the end of the year, you've without even breathing hard, you've saved $3,650. So there you go. my, yeah, my advice to them is deposit money often into a bank account. Don't leave a lot of cash around where it's easy to get to. And you have to, you have to exercise some discipline. And that's, yeah, that's something you're going to really have to a budget. Yeah. Discipline yourself. Right. And you have to ask yourself, do you want to be working as a Walmart greeter or 65? <laughs> I don't know. Cause you go oh, up there and you enough. see all these other people and I feel bad. And I'm like, I'm hoping that they're here because they just want to get out the house and uh, probably, you know, <laughs> and they don't want to, they don't want to, you know, be at home all day and not because they have bills to pay but then you see people that you can tell that that's actually their paycheck to pay their bills like do you want to be uh, working when you're older and in your golden years and you should be relaxed and enjoying your you know life husband grandkids adopted kids whatever right. the hell you decide to do your pets like, that's right do you i want to be working when you're old no save your fucking money <laughs> <laughs> okay here is a great rep this is a great website for people who want to save, they don't know how, it's called americasaves.org. americasaves.org. Maybe, maybe I'll learn more saving tips. America. It is so good. And my favorite article on there, because I went in and looked at it yesterday when I was preparing for this, 54 Ways to Save Money. It is so clever oh and really you would Rare. never think of it. yes it's just just, just search I'm, 54 I might ways to save yeah i i, I think i'm yeah po i think i might because i think i might have posted it yeah americasaves.org it's fantastic it's um they've got it's just got a whole lot of ideas about saving um uh, about I, I just found the whole website very very informative and my one of my favorite articles on there was 54 yeah, ways to I'm save it now. and it's, re well, it's really really good money i'm gonna post it on um Oh, good. Put it on Twitter. On Twitter. Cool. And, you know, I love their logo. It says, start small, think big. Yes, I love it. And that's what I'm saying. If you can save $10 a day. And one of the other one of the other pieces of advice, and this takes a little bit more discipline, but, like, you really hit it on the head. Because once you see your <clears throat> savings building up, and it makes you feel yeah, good. Yeah, so you, you feel like you're accomplishing And you want to continue that. Exactly. If you can save one quarter of what you collect from your clients from an appointment. Just pull it out of the envelope and set it aside yeah. like you never had it. Yeah. And the other thing, you had some really good ideas in, in your book about. Damn, how this much, book must be how the much shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how much does it cost me every month to live? Mm -hmm. So how much do I have to make to meet that? And then it gives you a framework to say, okay, well, if I work two more hours a month, mm -hmm. I can save another yeah, it helps, dollars. Yeah, it helps you reverse engineer your whole, your yeah, whole thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it really does. And, like, before you get your, um, your shit together and you're able to practice self-control, maybe 
if you make money during the day before 5 p.m., run to the bank and deposit into your savings account. Like, oh, great idea. Like that way, you know, and then make sure that your debit card is not linked to your savings account. So that that way, <laughs> that way, you know, that once it's there for you to get it out, make it till you, you actually, make it. I know, right? <laughs> once it's there, you will actually have to go to an actual branch to withdraw the money, which most people don't want the hassle. So they're going to leave their money alone. So start there. But really think That's about your future, idea. because if you don't want to be working when you're older in your golden years, you need to start now. Right. And, and it, yeah, and, and that's another whole another whole article or another whole podcast about, you know, how to save for retirement. How much do you need? You know, how much do I have to save today in order to have this much when I retire? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But that's a good idea. Make it hard to get your hands on the money. Now, a couple of, you know, I have said get a safe, a fireproof safe. But, you know, that's too easy. Click, click. I'm yeah. in there. I got the money. Um, a safe is for people a, who actually have discipline not to spend it. You're right. Right. <laughs> But a um, but a savings account, a separate savings account that is not linked to your bank account, you cannot withdraw it. And I believe they have that. You can only deposit money in here. You cannot withdraw it from an ATM or you cannot transfer it. You have to come into the bank and get the money out. Nice. So the harder you make it to get the money, the easier it's going to be to build that savings up. Yep. Yep. Okay. So... Let's see. What's the next question? Oh, how can sex workers purchase real estate the same way everybody else does? That's exactly where they come out of my mouth. I don't understand. We're not like some weird aliens. Like we're people. We're people too. And we need to start with ourselves. This is why the rest of the world doesn't think we're people because we don't even believe it. Yeah. One of the first things I tell everybody, think like a businesswoman, not like a companion. And once you get that mindset, you know, I'm a businesswoman. I'm making six figures. Okay. I can purchase real estate. I think we've already talked about real estate to the point where we don't really need to do other, but you got to get your credit score. Yes. Uh, And I, you know what? I think she might be asking, you know, as far as how to show proof, if you file taxes, that's your proof of income right there. Well, that's right. Usually that's right. The that's... banks want two years uh, tax returns. At least. And they, w- yeah. and they want to see your bank statements because, you know, you're not a yep. regular W-2 employee. And W-2 employee is somebody that works for somebody else and receives a check. So if you're mm-hmm. filing taxes mm-hmm. every year, you have no issues. And make sure you keep your banking up to par. So that way right. you look, you want to look good on paper. That's how, that's how the crooks do it. That's how the, and by crooks, <laughs> I mean people in Wall Street. That's how, <laughs> that's how everybody does it. Everybody looks good on paper, so that way they get things. And that's what you want to do, too. Follow the rich. The rich do it, too. <laughs> yeah, well, that, I've, I've helped multiple clients <sighs> uh, qualify for mortgages to buy a home and a couple of rental properties that, as there well. There you go. And the, the first thing they say is, okay, I want two to three years worth of tax returns. And this is where a lot of people get tripped up. If you've got a tax return year one, Taxable income twenty five thousand. Year two fifty thousand. Year three eighty thousand. Well, guess what? They don't take the eighty thousand. They average all three out. Mm-hmm. So you cannot have it both ways. And we did talk about this in episode seven. Go, it's go back and listen. Glad you cannot have it both ways. You don't want to pay taxes. Nobody wants to pay taxes. But if you want to qualify for a $300,000 yep. mortgage for your house, you got to show more money trust, on your trust tax Trust me, return. I was crying with my, with my accountant. <laughs> I mean, I knew, I knew what I had to do, but, you know, we had to mourn. The, we had to mourn the loss of my low tax paying days when it was time to start yep. buying stuff. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> 
And every year I'm always like, give it to me, give it to me. Wait, 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 wait. Give me a, give me now, a second. One, <laughs> one other thing that I, it's worth mentioning for these tax returns, um, and I did hear this from a lender, okay. is that if your tax return occupation shows entertainer, it's going to raise a little eyebrows and maybe require a little more scrutiny. So my suggestion is that um, unless you have a burning desire to be uh, extraordinarily transparent, I would put down consultant. Yeah. All uh, the IRS. And I talked about this in episode seven too. I keep you know, going it's back funny, to it. Like, but I to- <laughs> right? It's funny, like during my stripper days or whatever, my, my accountant actually put adult entertainer but then later on i was like yeah we don't we don't need to do that anymore because back then back then i don't know i feel like maybe they didn't care as much (laughs) i don't know because i was still able to buy my stuff like i I was still able to buy my properties get loans well because everything else but everything else was yeah but later on down the road i realized huh just in case let's change my and then i ended up i got my degree i got other things going for me anyway i have llc's and shit so there's no reason why i should you know, put myself in one box as an adult entertainer. So yes, that's a great advice. Ladies, you don't have to put adult entertainer. I'm sure you all went to school or went to community college or something. Put that. <laughs> Self-employed. Yes. You know, yeah, but they, they, but they usually want to know your industry for whatever we are. Right. Reason. There's a code. Yeah. Then I see yeah. A code. So figure okay. it out, but just don't stay away from adult entertainment because you know they hate us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next question. Uh, should companions making less than 25000 a year get a DBA or LLC, which protects your identity from clients? Whew, this is a loaded question. Well, it's, a, it's, a loaded, <laughs> it's confusing because they're, they're, really, they're really mixing up two things. Yeah. Um, now, let's talk about the identity protection. If you, depending on what state you live in, um, if you register an LLC or get a DBA, which all, a DBA is doing business as a sole, right. Doing business as, and that's if you have a sole proprietor, which is the simplest form of business and you want to have a business name, it's going to be, you know, Mary Smith, DBA, something, something consultants. Mm-hmm. So in that, in the state of Florida, that's not, if you register a DBA for a sole proprietor, that's not going to protect your identity. Neither is LLC. One of the, you can look up an right, LLC right, and exactly, find all that shit. But, and you look it up, but if you get a professional registered agent mm-hmm. to act on your behalf, the registered agent that we use, they use their address, yep. not your address, their name, and all the mail, they scan it and send it to you yep. uh, via email. So your name and address is not on public records. Yep. So it's really two things she's talking about is if you don't want, it depends on your state, like for instance, Wyoming. A lot of people set up LLCs in Wyoming because they don't give any information. Mm-hmm. Delaware is another one. So that's research you have to do depending on what state you're in. Mm-hmm. What information is public if I register a DBA or an LLC? Now, the second issue she's talking about is the less than 25000 a year. It may not be worth the additional expense to set up an LLC. The identity issue aside, I have clients that they, they go right to, I want to set up an LLC with an S-Corp election. And that's Whoa. addressed in the seven. <laughs> and I say, you know what? If you're Lighter making 25000 it's not worth it. <laughs> it's not worth it because you're going to be paying extra money to set it up. Now we're going to have to have a formal set of books. Then we have to file a tax return. You've got to do all these filings every year. So I really think there was two issues that were addressed in that. As far as the identity protection, get a private mailbox or a P.O. box, get a registered. And I kind of want to know, why are you making less than 25 grand? That's below poverty level. That's what they're reporting. Is that? Oh, oh, I'm like, wait, what? Mm Because I'm like, is is this not your only job? Is that why? But 
Yeah, you're going to have to raise those numbers, boo, just in general. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That's that's another whole discussion. Just, just in you know, that general, I have you know. Oof. So, yeah. I mean, the only time that... I wasn't um, having that much number on the books was for a few years when I was a kept woman. But it's a story for another day. <laughs> yeah. I have clients that report that, but they have other sources of income. Yeah. Some have a trust fund yeah. or they have child support or they had a, a, some yeah. sort of a, a lawsuit that they won. That can be justified, yeah. but that's not much. Oh, All right. Okay, next question. Is an LLC necessary for filing taxes as a companion? Quick and no. No. <laughs> no, there's three basic business structure, you know, a sole proprietor, LLC, or an LLC with an S-corp or a partnership. Yeah, so no, no, you do not need an no. LLC to report. Mm-mm. All you got to do is is put your hand up and say, guess what, I'm in business, and you file a Schedule C on your on your. There you go. It's, you only get into all these other sophisticated things when you're trying to get loans and do things with your money. But oh, or and save taxes. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah, dead. when you get up Bingo, into right six there. figures. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Next question: What is the best way to start reporting income when you're transitioning from a vanilla job to sex work? Just like you would with any other business. Um, and, and this is a situation where she, they need to keep track, you know, of the income and expenses, open a separate business bank account, and call us. <laughs> yes. Just, no, just but, call um, Mary Lee. No, to, to be honest, me personally, I've always believed in hiring professionals to do their job because that is not my lane. I don't want to be in that lane. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be over here doing the things that I do best. So I have no issues hiring professionals. And if you're confused, just like call any, Mary Lee. Just like any other small business would do. Exactly. It's what I is emphasizing is that to 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 think you know you hire professionals to make sure you're you're operating under best business yeah. practices that you're not running afoul of exactly. the IRS and, rules, and who knows local maybe laws. maybe you um you learn something new from mm-hmm. this professional. Like maybe you realize there's a different way to do something that would be in your best interest. You can't do it all on your own folks. Like, right. And, and be, be cautious about getting free advice from clients or oh, other Lord. people yeah. that are not. It's, uh, yeah, that's I just, can tell you some stories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take it with a grain of salt or not. I don't know. <laughs> so in this, in the situation with this, this question about transitioning into to sex work, again, it's just all the other things we said earlier yeah. is start out right, separate business bank yeah. account, and then, and then go. And from you're there. basically just transferring from a W-2 to a um, self-employed situation. Sorry. Yeah, it's it just you're just getting your income. Yeah, a you're way just going from with, an employer to be in self-employed. That's it. There's no. Yeah, and then you just have, but you do have, now with that comes more complicated mm-hmm. uh, record keeping and requirements. Which is why you need to call Mary Lee. Okay, <laughs> next question: What tips do you have for someone who is beginning to, who is just beginning to invest in the stock market? I think, I think we kind of covered it. that. Yeah. We are covered that earlier. You kind of touched on it. Um, Make sure you pay, pay off your credit cards, save up uh, emergency funds, save up living expenses, and then save three grand to dilly dally or call Mary Lee, you know, whichever. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Uh, next question. What are some of the best ways to save in today's economy? Yeah, then we kind of touch on this. And what does yeah, today's we did. economy mean? I feel like everybody's always uh, complaining uh, about the economy. Well, everybody's struggling. You know, it's, people are struggling. They really are. But people um, are always struggling. Even, even when yeah. times were good, like before 2008, there were still people complaining about the economy. Everybody's struggling. So 
Yeah. It's, it, again, that uh, americasaves.org, and you said you posted that article, 54 Ways to Save Money. I couldn't I just, find the 54 I, um, ways. I saw 12 ways. Okay. I'll start there. And post it. Yeah, and then I'll retweet it, but I'll post this 12 ways. Okay. Because, you know, 54 might overwhelm them anyway. <laughs> it's, it's real quick. It's like little one-liners, and it's, uh, it reads really quick. Yeah, okay. It's, but it's some really, really neat So ideas. you post it, and I'll retweet it. Okay. Okay. So I guess we'll do that with the, with the tax uh, America saves. All right. And then mm-hmm. the last question, uh, should you tell your tax person your real job? Yes. Is that, inf- <laughs> is that information confidential? Will claiming that you're in the adult business result in a higher likelihood of an audit? A client of mine does financial compliance and said that. Oh, uh, there you go. <laughs> a, cl- a client of mine does financial compliance and said if you claim an adult business, it's like a red flag that some money is hitting. Okay. Oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, if you cannot be transparent with your tra- tax professional, move on. Get somebody. Yeah. Can. I mean, people uh, will you judge cannot. you, but you don't need to do business with them. No, you don't. And uh, again, it's um, don't if you have clients that are tax professional, don't don't let do a barter thing with them. Uh, you're just not going to get good advice. No. But anyway, yes, find a professional. And, you know, we we're not the only ones to do it. Every, there's a lot of people out there uh, that are doing it and a little more of a, they have probably have other clients as well in the vanilla world. We only do adult entertainers and companions. So we have a handful family, uh, but, and as far as claiming, I, I, I don't understand that. I've been doing this for 25 years. I've never had a tax return audited. I'll have an IRS letter that'll come in because something doesn't add up or yeah. they forgot to report a 1099, but say, I, I mean, I same here, same here. I, I don't know. Consistency I, I don't is key. Answer. Consistency is key. And I used to put a adult entertainer in my tax returns and nothing. The only time I yeah, got yeah, something yeah, yeah. was when I moved money from one an IRA. Well, it was the same account. It was the same IRA, but I moved it from one institution to another, and the dumbass did not report it. So <gasps> oh, I got so a didn't le- report yeah. it as a rollover. Yeah. So yeah. I got a letter, and I'm, I'm I call my accountant like, "What the hell is this?" So she dealt with it with my person because I'm mm-hmm. like, "I hire you people for these things." <laughs> That's right. I've had that happen before with some clients. But I mean, the money was still there. It's not like I spent it or anything. So it was very easy to show that it was just a rollover. Yeah, that's right. You just, if you got the documentation mm-hmm. and intent. But, it's, but to, to, to this question about red flags, I don't think, I'm not sure that that's true, but I cannot say that with certainty. Of course. I don't nothing know in life is certain. That's right. But the IRS has a very sophisticated computer algorithm. Every single tax return gets scanned and scored. And so I don't know if a school for someone that's claiming adult entertainment is their, is their occupation on the tax return gets a higher score or not. To me, what is the red flag is claiming $10,000 in income, $30,000 in expenses. Yeah. Uh, or, or just not including everything on the tax return that should be. Mm-hmm. I've always maintained that a complete, accurate, and truthful tax return is the best defense against an IRS inquiry. And I don't even use the word audit anymore. I just use inquiry. Yeah, because I mostly just audit the big guys. <laughs> well, and that's right, and that's and let me call, let me finish that out with with just one statistic that I think that everybody will find interesting is that the IRS over the last four or five years has lost twenty percent of their revenue. There's a revenue officer and a revenue agent. The revenue officers are the ones 
that deal with collection issues. That's with taxes that have already been assessed. Mm-hmm. And now they got to try to get the money because they're not paying a revenue agent of the ones that are kind of scary. You know, they'll come to your door or they'll come to your place of business. Mm-hmm. 20% of them are gone. They've retired. The IRS, their budgets have been cut. So if you look the statistics up of who's been audited, the percentage of tax returns that are audited, it is now for the tax, for the clients that I currently have fall within less than one half of 1% of the tax returns are audited. Yeah. So if you do a clean tax, and I've seen some tax returns prepared by other people that I could not believe were not audited. They were so awful. Ah! Uh, I'm serious. It's like, I could not have signed my name to that. <laughs> so, you know, we, we, we try to keep it on the straight. Uh, it's just because of the business it just doesn't make sense to, to, uh, stray too much into gray yeah. area just so just that, be realistic pretty much is what yeah. she's trying don't to say s- like don't claim 10 grand like come on i know what do you say what do you say uh it says a uh, pigs pigs get fat hogs get slaughtered there you go so you know just, just you know pay pay your taxes because i mean you do benefit from it even though some of the things that our taxes goes to pay is trash but i'm not gonna get into that but you do benefit yeah, from it good roads your schools yada 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 <laughs> yes all of that you get it is but also you're building your social security account you i know, mean people don't, some people I, believe uh, it's not gonna be that, available when we're older but <laughs> they've been saying that for, for decades they've been saying that for but decades yeah, like, that'll it, never it's happen a good thing again to look good on paper it just makes you just yes. makes you a good candidate for when you're trying to get loans, start different businesses, yes. whatever. It's it's in your best interest to pay taxes. I hate it. Trust me. I feel like I hate it more than anybody else. But <laughs> you know, I just lube up while they ass rape me. <laughs> but no, oh, I know people that pay way more in taxes than I do. Like some of my clients, you see their tax bills, I'm like, ooh. <laughs> it almost makes you not want to make that much money, but I'm like, ah. I know. Well, uh, no, well, the retirement and the um, the opening up in a retirement plan and putting as much as you can in not only saves you taxes now, but it saves you taxes later mm-hmm. because the earnings, the dividends, are tax free until you retire and withdraw the money. Exactly. So. I mean, it's like a win win. It's one of the last great. So yeah, don't don't shelters. be afraid. Like set yourself up and like I said, call Mary Lee. She does station. Which did you want to? Um, say the new the new uh, oh, code because yeah i'm just not gonna put it in your ads anymore we're just gonna okay. say it on this episode so they have to listen to this episode yeah to get mm-hmm. the code because the old code tsg 2018 is now officially discontinued as, mm, as of this episode so now from now on whoever listens to this since this is the end <laughs> <laughs> if you get this code you can call mary lee for a complimentary consultation do you want to expand more on that yeah, it's just uh, what it means is that because the people that are listening to the, this podcast are obviously people that are serious about their business and they're serious about their taxes. And those are the kind of clients that we want. Mm-hmm. So uh, we had we did have to uh, a couple of years ago introduce um, initial consultation fee because we got so many people that were kicking tires and yeah. asking for free tax advice. So you don't like, like it when clients that, do that to you. So don't oh, do it no. to Mary Lee. It's- <laughs> so, so for people who listen to this podcast, it's TSEG2019 okay, is so. the referral code. So when you go to our website and fill out the client oh, no, I kind of feel like that's easy to guess. 
Oh, because last year was 2018, so technically this year it'll be 2019. Yeah, I, I won't be able to control people giving the code to other people. All right, all okay. Well, I so, want to keep it simple. So you heard it I here. Keep it simple. So the new code is TSEG 2019. If you enter it when you're filling out your uh, the form on the website companiontax.com, you will get a complimentary consultation. Yes. Yes, ma'am. That's correct. Perfect. So ladies, don't waste her time. You don't want client wasting your time. So don't do it to her. <laughs> Mary Lee, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having, you are having awesome. me on again. I mean, thanks for coming on. You are awesome coming on here. Sharing my knowledge pleasure. with us. I'm learning new things. We're all learning. I love it. Uh, Be but sure I'm to not follow the show any on longer. Twitter. I know you got TSCG other things to do. This is a Sunday. On Instagram. I need you to go enjoy TSCG. your weekend. Because <laughs> it seemed like you work Join a lot. Join our Patreon page <laughs> for exclusive like videos on dating, That's okay. I love sugaring, what I do. and freestyling tips That's for both like the gentlemen and ladies. Perfect. I mean, I don't know how anybody can look at Patreon.com hopefully we'll have you back again to talk about a different topic or maybe bring I that mortgage broker on we'll find somebody let's let's Thank talk you. about it all right enjoy the rest of your day you too thanks bye all right bye-bye a huge thank you once again to Miss Mary Lee for coming on the show and blessing us with her knowledge. I truly hope that this episode has inspired confidence in your saving and investing capabilities. Just remember, there is money literally everywhere. Go out there and get yours. Bye!